listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. All right, welcome back to the podcast. It's a three-day weekend, so it's Monday, our usual podcast day. But it's President's Day weekend, so markets are closed this Monday, um, which gives everybody a chance to recover from the sugar hangover they have from Valentine's Day yesterday. Hope everybody had a good Valentine's Day with your significant other or with friends and family or however you choose to spend Valentine's Day. Um, But as I mentioned, markets are closed today, which gives us a chance to look back at last week uh, and cover a few things like we usually do. and, And let's just start with returns. Um, the, we had another positive week from stocks last week. The S&P 500 ended up a little bit better than a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about a percent. NASDAQ up about a percent and three quarters. And once again, uh, small caps and emerging market stocks did really, really well last week. Uh, in fact, the major market indices ended a second consecutive week in the green all of the averages solidly higher. As I mentioned, the Russell 2000, which is the small cap index, has really been a bright spot in the last few months. It continues to lead all U.S. major market averages. Um, And both the developed international and emerging market indices um, had positive weeks uh, last week as well, specifically the emerging markets category. Um, they've really had a smoking start to 2021. The MSCI Emerging Markets Index is actually up over 10% for the new year, doubling the return of the S&P 500 so far year to date. I, I think as we began the year, um, many of you saw some trades late last year as we were adding some international and emerging markets to portfolios. And we expected solid economic growth across Asia um, to support kind of what we thought was going to be outperformance by emerging markets over developed markets in 2021. Um, We also thought that U.S.-China tensions may ease under the Biden administration. And of course, as I mentioned before in past podcasts, the U.S. dollar being weaker could potentially enhance returns. Um, But this is a heck of a start, probably better than even what our expectations, our best expectations were as we began the year. Let's talk a little bit about jobs as well as we get into this new week. Last week, jobless claims ticked higher a little bit. Um, 793,000 Americans filed for unemployment insurance, according to the Department of Labor, which is actually above the Bloomberg consensus forecast calling for 760,000 and actually higher even than the prior week's number. Uh, continuing claims also missed estimates with 4.5 million remaining on unemployment insurance versus the estimate of 4.4 million. And the, the continued volatility in the labor market, we think may actually embolden Congress to pass a larger stimulus bill and keep inflation. It could, this also could keep inflation at bay. We will talk a little bit later this week in a bonus episode about inflation and how, uh, inflation may play into things down the road, but, with this subdued labor market, uh, that could help keep inflation at bay. And then, of course, uh, with Congress getting past the, uh, the, the impeachment question this week, this past week, um, it, they can then turn their focus maybe into a stimulus bill as we go forward, which can help things out a little bit. Let's talk also a little bit about COVID-19 news. The U.S. reported 95,000 
new COVID-19 cases last Wednesday. That's the fourth consecutive day under 10,000, according to the COVID tracking project. Wednesday also marked the 25th straight double-digit week-over-week decline for the seven-day moving average of new cases. 25 straight weeks in a row of double-digit week-over-week decline. I'm repeating myself, but it's important to underline that these are big, big drops that we're seeing right now. Moreover, those currently hospitalized with COVID-19 dropped below 80,000 for the first time since November of last year, and the seven-day average of new hospitalizations tallied its 13th consecutive week-over-week decline. And we're seeing more uh, uh, vaccinations take place across the country, and even vaccines are finding their ways into um, uh, local pharmacies like Walgreens and CVS. And so it appears uh, as though we're on track to have everybody who wants a vaccine be able to get a vaccine by sometime maybe late spring, early summer, which is which is pretty exciting, actually. So with the latest news out of the way, let's talk inflation a little bit. We're going to cover this twice, actually, this week. What we're going to cover, uh, there's going to be a bonus episode later this week talking about whether or not we're looking at inflation or reflation, whether this is something we can we should be concerned about. But I think something that's noteworthy that I'd like to cover this Monday is that inflation expectations are the highest they've been since 2014. The 10-year break-even inflation rate, which is a market-based measure of inflation expectations, hit its highest level on Friday, February 5th, uh, the highest level since 2014. Still, it, it's at 2.21% expected annual inflation over the next 10 years. So it remains a relatively tame number. Let's put this in context a little bit. But it sits a little bit above the Federal Reserve's 2% target. And I will link to one of LPL's charts of the day where you can see that the 10-year break-even inflation rate is near the very top of its range going back to mid-2013. And if you look back even further, even early in the last expansion, the break-even expectations never rose above 2.7%. So we may see inflation rates that we haven't seen in decades over the next year or so, but I don't know if it's going to mean much. Uh, Core inflation hasn't actually hit 3% since 1995. And we don't, and LPL research doesn't think it's very likely that it's going to even push that high for any extended period here. Inflation prospects have have really become the subject of increasingly heated debate as market participants really try and gauge the impact of loose monetary policy and historic levels of fiscal stimulus, with even more possibly on the way, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Inflation has remained stubbornly below central bank targets for some time, that includes the Federal Reserve, and changes in the Fed's policy framework, which we've talked about in other episodes, um, indicate that the Fed believes that those dynamics are here to stay. Despite that, though, there are legitimate forces here in play on both sides of the debate, and the question is really how they balance out. So let's look at kind of do the pros and the cons, right? Let's look at what the forces that exist that are pushing inflation higher. One, there's improving economic outlook with potentially strong pent-up demand. I've said this over and over. I'll give you an example here. My kids ask twice a week to go to the movies. And the minute we get clearance, whether it's safe for us to go and the movie theater is open, we will be out in the movies maybe every day this summer with a big bucket of popcorn. So there's some strong pent-up demand in our family to go to the movies. And frankly, there's pent-up demand kind of across the country to get back to normal. So that's number one. Number two, there's additional stimulus that may be spent rather than saved. So if there's more stimulus, these stimulus checks are coming on the on the way. Um, 
they've been used in the past to pay down debt and to add to savings, um, but there's more of a likelihood uh, that if there are more checks on the way, they're more likely to be spent adding to more money chasing after the same number of goods, inflation 101. Number three, uh, there's already a high savings rate. As I mentioned, those checks that went out and the stimulus kind of direct deposits, have we've seen people add to savings, particularly people who are still working but can't go spend on vacations or retail or you know, they're not even commuting to work any longer. Uh, that's adding to savings across the board. So that could push inflation higher. Number four is a potentially weaker dollar. Uh, I won't get too deeply into this, but as uh, there's money flooding the system, it can weaken the dollar and that can push inflation a bit higher. And then finally, number five, an increase in commodity prices can flow into higher consumer prices. We've seen it already with lumber, the prices of lumber going through the roof. And so higher commodity prices can flow into higher consumer prices. That's inflation. So those are five forces pushing inflation higher. Uh, But there are also some forces that are limiting inflation. So the first one of those is that there are long-term headwinds from demographics technology and globalization. I've heard that we the the idea that we've ever needed 3D printers is a bit foolish because China has been our 3D printer forever. And what that means is, and it's not disparaging, it just means that China has been able to manufacture goods so cheaply, there's no need to have an expensive computer kind of printed out in plastic for you. Um, technology helps with uh, efficiency and driving efficiency and what used to take people to do or multiple people to do can be done with a person with a couple of computers at this point. So that can help limit inflation. Um, number two, there's some spare industrial capacity and there's slack in the labor market. So we are still not running at full capacity, which means uh, full capacity. Inflation is kind of the smoke coming off of a or the exhaust coming off of a burning economic engine. If we have spare industrial capacity and slap slack in the labor market where there are still people looking for work and we're not at full employment, we're not running at the kind of capacity that would produce that kind of exhaust, if you will, that is inflation. Um, and then number three, long-term economic damage from the pandemic and the associated recession will take some time to get over. Um, you just don't bounce over, not bounce back overnight after shutting down economies across the country, and we feel the effects of it for some time. You know, you even if there are rent moratoriums, or um, you know, there is uh, there are moratoriums on foreclosures and um, businesses being shut down. At some point, we're going to have to continue to pay the piper to get out of this recession, and and there will we don't just turn it back on like a light switch. Um, you know, when you it's it's probably easier to put an economy into a coma than bring it out of a coma. And that's what we're talking about here. So in the shorter term, that could help limit inflation. And then finally, number four, the slower than historical long-term baseline for economic growth. We haven't seen the kind of growth in our economy in years that would actually produce the kind of inflation that people are worried about. In fact, if we were getting that kind of inflation, it's because we are growing so viciously economically, which is a good thing. Um, and we haven't had that kind of growth for some time for a variety of factors. And so while the temporary factors favoring inflation will hold some sway in 2021 and possibly even 22, I really, I, I think if we check with LPL research, they believe that the structural forces are going to continue to limit the long-term inflation outlook. So while we may see core inflation, uh, which is the CPI, Consumer Price Index, that excludes food and energy, uh, rising above 2.5% for the trailing 12 months in the middle of 2021, uh, like March and April and May. 
They're all deflationary months, and so they roll off the trailing year numbers. Uh, they expect, or LPL Research specifically expects core inflation to settle back into the two, two and a half percent range um, by the end of the year. So even that level would be elevated compared to the last economic cycle we were in, coming out of uh, the recovery, coming out of the, the Great Recession. That averaged about 1.8 percent core inflation, um, and that two, two and a half percent range would be enough to push the 10 year treasury yield up from its current level, but it wouldn't be enough to create any significant added economic risks. So we'll, we'll discuss consumer price index, the CPI and the core infl- CPI, which excludes food and energy a little bit later this week. If you tune into our bonus episode on inflation, but this is what's top of mind right now for a lot of folks. And so really the question is going to be, are those forces that push inflation higher, like the pent-up demand, stimulus, high savings rates, weaker dollar, is that going to push us a lot higher compared to the forces that have limited inflation for so long, which is technology, globalization, um, not having full employment, and so some slack in the labor market and those kinds of things that I discussed. So Um, You know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Inflation is not a nasty thing. Inflation, as I mentioned, is a byproduct of a humming economy. And so the key here is to have some inflation, but not too much. Uh, And that's always what the Federal Reserve's part of what the Federal Reserve's job to look at is, is to make sure that we're not just running too hot. So stay tuned. And I guess we'll find out a little bit later in the year how this grand experiment starts to play itself out. So if you have any questions about what you were listening to today about inflation, or how it might even affect your portfolio, you can email us at info at FordFG.com. You can find us on the web at FordFG.com. And I look forward to talking to you in the next one. Thanks. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein. 